This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Dr. Kerry Green. Kerry, how are you doing today? Good, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, let's start at the beginning. If you would, please tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, to be honest, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, my father read an article about geology when I was in high school, and he said, Hey, Kerry, take a look at this. And I read that, and I thought, Yeah, it sounds cool. I kind of like science. I like the outdoors. I thought that'd be a great choice. So I graduated from high school, went to college to be a geology major, and I found out pretty quickly I didn't really like that. So I decided either going to agriculture or zoology, you know, look check out those options and I, I simply went by the alphabetical order and talked to the agriculture folks first so that's where <laughs> I actually got my degree soil science agriculture wow soil science okay well that's very interesting well what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies in school college or uh, high school either one yeah I enjoyed the sciences quite a bit and um soil science and biochemistry I thought was fascinating. Well, now what was your first actual real job? My first real job probably was um, when I became a graduate student working on my master's and PhD degrees. That was the first one where I really got a, an actual paycheck from an organization I'd worked on. That was okay. my first real paycheck job. And I was a student at, at the time. So graduate students are st- those students who are working on advanced degrees and also receive some kind of uh, pay either for teaching or research. Okay, now I'm curious. So what was your undergraduate degree? Was it have to do with soil? Yeah, it was crop and soil science, which is a uh, kind of the scientific version of agronomy. So it had to do with, with uh, crop growth. And I ultimately wanted to study nitrogen cycling and what happens to nitrogen fertilizers in the environment. And soil science was a good way to to go into that. And at that time, back in the late 80s, groundwater contamination was a was a big deal. And nitrogen cycling, those kind of things are very important. So that's that's what I did for a while. What did you get your master's degree in and your doctorate degree in? And then what was your what were you researching as a student? Yeah, so I got uh, my master's and PhD in, well, my master's is in soil microbiology and biochemistry, and my PhD is in soil science. I focused on soil micro and biochemistry. But why, why micro and biochemistry? Well, when we talk about nitrogen in the environment, a lot of what happens to nitrogen, either nitrogen added as fertilizer or nitrogen just naturally occurring in the environment, a lot of what goes on with that uh, is mediated by microorganisms. So it's a, you know, it's a kind of a living, living system if you want to think of the soil and the environment that way. So again, the major processes that influences what happens to nitrogen, those processes are biologically mediated. So soil microbiology and biochemistry is is an area that you can focus on if you're interested in that kind of stuff. And all of this would apply to agriculture, is that correct? Yeah, agriculture and environmental issues. Certainly the the water quality as far as what happens to nitrogen, again, fertilizer or naturally occurring nitrogen. Once it gets into the groundwater, it doesn't matter where it came from. Also, we tied that into 
carbon dioxide evolution and as plant material breaks down think about a, a crop you know you grow a corn crop or something like that you plow it down at the end of the season the soil microbiome uh, the soil the soil microorganisms start consuming that and and they generate a lot of carbon dioxide so we looked at nitrogen and carbon cycling. Wow. Okay. So you didn't know what you wanted to be when you grew up, and then you've got a lot of education around soil and everything that has to do with that. So tell us, what do you do today? Well, what I do today is, is on the one hand, absolutely unrelated, but if you allow me, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how sure. I got there. What I do today, I have my own business. I spent 20 years as a professor, and I did a lot of teaching. I did a lot of research, worked with students quite a bit. And I think a, a, a point I'd like to make to your college student listeners is when I graduated, even when I graduated with my, my doctoral degree, I thought I wanted to be a researcher. And as I started doing that on my own, I found out, you know, it was all right, but it just wasn't terribly fulfilling. And, and we did some really cool stuff and I was able to do some traveling around the world and present some of my stuff. And, you know, it was, it was okay, but it just wasn't very fulfilling. And I started doing some teaching. My first university appointment had a strong teaching component. And I found out that Despite the fact I hadn't done much teaching before I got there, I really liked it, and I had some skills in that area, and so the more teaching I did, that led into advising and recruiting, and that led into some leadership positions that focused on academic programs and academic success, and what I found over the years is a lot of students, um, very, very intelligent and motivated students are limited by their their academic success skills or their employability skills once they get into the workforce. So all this kind of culminated and came together that after 20 years I made the jump and now I have my own business where I help students develop the skills they need to succeed in the classroom and on the job. So I guess if I have a title, it would be student leadership and success expert. Wow, that is quite a change of career focus, but it sounds like you, you really learned what you wanted to do, what you did like, what your passion it was about, and kind of adjusted your career journey to fit that. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's a perfect interpretation. As I said, on the surface, and I've, I've had these career interviews before, and the question always is, Carrie, how in the world did you go from agricultural and environmental stuff to helping kids develop success skills? Well, it's simple because the agriculture training led me to a career in university systems. And, of course, being in the university, I did a lot of teaching and interacting with employers and finding out what they're looking for in, in students. And, and I found that I really enjoyed the teaching, the mentoring, and the coaching much more than much more than the research aspect. I also, you know, I've written some books, and again, my, my academic background, I had to write research articles, I had to write my thesis and dissertation. So all that really led into where I'm, where I'm at today. So as I say, on the surface, it looks like it's unrelated, but on the other hand, it was an absolutely perfect way to get me where I'm at now. But having said that, when I started my university career, I didn't necessarily plan on having my own business, but as I as I evolved and my thinking evolved and it became clear what my real passions and focus areas would be, then uh, it seemed like a great thing to do to kind of branch out on my own and, and do what I love. Now, if you would expand on that a little bit, saying you want to do that and actually doing that are two totally different things. That's a big jump. So how did you make that transition? And then if you would go into a little bit about your business today and the offerings for students. After 20 years, I just decided that's what I wanted to do. So I've written some books on academic success. The title of my latest book is um, Success Skills for High School 
college and career. So I try to integrate academic success skills, soft skills, and leadership skills and kind of put all those together and help a student, again, prepare for college, prepare for the uh, their, their career, help them develop the skills they need to succeed while they're a student, and all that kind of feeds together. They're not mutually exclusive. When you think about these soft skills or employability skills, I mean, the classic list is communication, collaboration, problem solving, critical thinking, time management, those kind of skills. And of course, those are very important for students as as well. So again, I write some books in that area. I do some coaching and some speaking. It's interesting that I'm my own boss now. You know, I kind of joke that for the 20 years I worked in higher education, I had just excellent bosses. But now that I'm self-employed, my boss is driving me nuts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, he's tough. <laughs> Now, what is your typical work week like? Yeah, so I'm not totally sure I have a uh, I have a typical work week, but I recently published a, a, another edition of my book. It's a faith-based version, so I spent a lot of time um, writing that. I'm developing a workbook to go along with that as well, and I'm getting ready to develop an online course. So for the last several weeks, my typical week has been writing and reviewing and editing books and and workbooks. Now, if you would, just go over this briefly. What advice would you give someone who would like to be a first-time author, I guess for lack of better words? Is there a particular path that you found productive for an educational audience? You know, is there, what would you recommend if someone would like to publish your first book to go to a, what do you call them, an independent publisher? Or were you able to go through one of the major agencies? Yeah, so that's a a great question. I chose to go through a self-publishing company. I I struggled with that decision, frankly, because I thought, you know, where's the, will there be issues of credibility with that? And I spoke with a a professor, an English professor who had a lot of experience in this area, and her advice was go for it. There's a lot of great self-published books out there, and once your book gets out, the book will speak for itself. It's it's either gonna gonna make it or not based on the content. It's not you know it's not who published it, it's who wrote it basically. So that was great advice. The advantage of going with a with a self-publishing company is that you have a little bit more control. It, it goes a little bit more quickly. But the downside is you have all the costs, the marketing costs, production costs, and all that. Of course, you get a greater, much, much greater share of the profit on the other end. But I guess my advice to a author who's really considering writing their first book is write the darn thing, first of all. Absolutely, if you want to, if that person would want to go with a traditional publishing house, then more power to them. But I would ask that they simply evaluate their options and don't feel like they have to go the traditional route, but certainly explore that if that's what they want to do. And if that's important to them, then make the commitment to, to do what it takes to, to make that work. But again, it's, it's worked out well for me on the self-publishing route. And, and I, you know, I've joked with, with students over the years that there's a huge gap between what we want to do and what we actually do. And I think your question kind of alluded to this. And my advice for an aspiring author is just to write that book and, and get it out there. My books have evolved so much. I mean, even the drafts just one to another, even before I submitted it. Um, the other piece of advice I would have is absolutely don't skimp on editing. I've got you know, it's not about me, but I've got a PhD. I've written a lot of articles over the years, but I still paid an editor, and I was just astounded with the value that they brought to to my writing. From my perspective, 
if you go self-publish, you have to invest in editing. It's it's absolutely essential in my mind. Well, thank you for that info. That's great advice. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster. So, Carrie, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which you really didn't know, which is, <laughs> that was the same for me as well. Yeah. And we learned what you actually do today. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? I don't know that I would really do anything differently. I, I guess had I known I was going to have my own business, I probably would have taken some business and marketing courses or maybe gotten some training in entrepreneurship. I, I really don't know that I would have done it differently because I can't really predict how I would get here if I were starting over. What I mean by that is my advice is just stay open to your passion, what you're interested in, and don't don't get boxed in. Keep your options open and pursue your passions. I think that's the best advice. All right, well, let's make the assumption that someone in our audience wants to do what you do. What advice would you give them? As far as following the path that I followed, I guess I'd like to pull a quote from one of my books, and it the quote is this, don't limit your future based on your current skills and abilities, but empower your future by daring to believe in what you will become. And what I mean by that, when I graduated from, from high school, you know, I wanted to go to college and be a geologist. When I graduated from college, now I'm, I'm interested in being in agriculture and I thought I needed to get an advanced degree. And I did, but I didn't plan on really getting a PhD. But the person I worked with from a master said, hey, you, you really need to do this. So I, I did. Then I thought I'd be a researcher. Then I decided, no, I wanted to be a teacher. And now I'm an author. So it kind of evolves. But the point is, if you would have told me when I was graduating high school or graduating college or even leaving graduate school that, you know, I'd eventually have my own business, I'd think, I don't know that I have the business skills and I can do that. But I had some good mentoring. I had some good coaching. I, I have a pretty decent work ethic. So I just stuck with it. So my advice is just keep your options open. Be willing to evolve and change. Sometimes we get so focused on a career path, we're afraid to deviate from it. And I think, you know, you don't want to just Every time you hit an obstacle, change your, change your major or change your job. But on the other hand, if you're working really hard and really smart and you're struggling, you're not having the success you would like to have, you know, you feel like it just isn't what you thought it would be, then it's okay to, to change career paths or degrees. But I'd highly encourage the student who's thinking about that is to get a mentor or if they're a student, certainly their their academic advisor or a teacher could help give them some insight. If somebody had told <laughs> me when I was younger that I would get a Ph.D., that I would be a professor and uh, have leadership positions in the university for, for several years and then start my own business and write books, you know, I would say there's there's no way. I can't possibly do that. And And at the time, I was just looking at my current skills and ability. But I think what young people miss sometimes is they'll sell themselves short. But remember... When they get into a career five years from now or 10 or whatever it is, they're going to have a different perspective. They're going to have different skills. They'll have different experiences. So my my best advice is just find your passion and, and keep developing your skills and, and building your experiences and just don't give up. That's a wonderful quote, and it applies to me directly. Like I had never done a podcast before. I you know This is six months ago. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't have a recording background. I did not ever build my own website before, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, don't let those be barriers to what you want to do, but instead learn, grow and fail and accomplish things as you go. So Absolutely. I think that's a, I think that's a really great one. So now I've got to ask a, a doctor, you know, has his PhD and his master's degree, almost flunked out of college. Is that what you said? What was that story all about? Yeah. So th th 
when I graduated high school, I was in the top 10% of my, my high school class, and high school was not difficult for me at all. And I got to college. I went to Purdue University, outstanding university, and I took freshman chemistry, and I just about flunked it. I got a D, and I, I think that's some generosity there. Probably. So here I am, top 10% of my class. A's and B's all through high school. I've got my dreams of going to Purdue. I'm there, and now I'm starting to think, maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe this is just not for me. And I did a lot of soul searching there, and I, I took the course again, and I ended up getting an A. But what I, what I learned is it wasn't that I didn't understand chemistry. The reason I didn't understand chemistry is that I didn't have the academic success skills I needed. I didn't know how to take notes. I didn't know how to study. I didn't really know how to take exams effectively. So these skills that are so important, you know, I, I took it again and I got an A. I don't think my IQ went up from one semester to the next. <laughs> right, I went right. from a D to an A because I developed the skills I needed. I got my, my act together, so to speak. I got serious. And again, had I just dropped out then, which would have been very easy for me to do, I don't know that my parents would have let me, but in my mind, I was I'd hit something that I'd never dealt with, and that was failure, and I didn't know how to handle it. I tell students all the time, I had to get a D before I got a PhD, because that set me right back on my heels and said, young man, you need to figure out how to play this game called college. So I did, and I've seen so many students that will perform below their abilities simply because they don't have the, the academic success skills they need. Now, fast forward to the to the working world, and, and if, if you follow this, area, you know that employers are constantly requesting that students come out with better skills in, in, in communication, collaboration, problem solving, these things we talked about. Again, their, right. their performance in the workplace also can be limited by these skills. You know, it's kind of like riding a bike. Before you knew how to ride a bike, you didn't know how to ride a bike. But once you learned the skills, you could do it and it's no big deal. So it, that's a very trivial example, but it emphasizes the importance of skills. That's awesome. And everything you're doing right now feeds right into that. So students have that immediate, not immediate, but you know, they, they learn the skills so that they can be successful based on everything that you're doing today. Absolutely. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Well, as I say, I, I have published uh, kind of the second edition of my, my book. It's called Success Skills for High School, College, and Career. And again, it, it teaches some of the the academic success skills, soft skills, and leadership skills students need to succeed in the classroom and on the job and help students prepare for college and, and career. And uh, I just released a faith-based version of that as well. I'm in the process of uh, developing an online course and doing some speaking and some, some coaching for students. So, um, you know, I'd love to hear from anybody who's who's listening that'd like to learn more. My website is carryjgreen.com. Awesome. Well, great. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And I'm a huge car enthusiast and we don't know each other. But could you tell me what was your first car? 1979 Trans Am. Wow, that's a heck of a first car oh, right there. Yeah, it was great. Was this the bandit with the screaming chicken on the hood? Absolutely, but it was blue. Wow, I just helped a friend buy a blue one. Was it the 6.6 liter? Yep. 455? Yep. Man, how, now how many tickets did you get that first year? Well, none, but I, I did get pulled over and I, I guess it's nothing short of the grace of God that I didn't get a ticket because I was a young guy in a hot car and I, I, I deserved it but somehow the, the guy gave me a warning and it, it worked because <laughs> I didn't get pulled over again for like 20 years. <laughs> wow that's amazing. Well what happened to that car I hate to ask? Uh, 
oh boy, it's been such a long time. It just got traded off over the years. Right. Okay. Well, what's your dream car if you have one? Yeah. Um, I like Corvettes. I have a, an old 95 vet that I really enjoy, but if I would have to define one car, it would be that Corvette from, you know, 1980, 81, 82, somewhere in there. I just love that body style. All right. Trivia question here. What's the one year that they didn't make Corvette? 1983. And technically they made one. It's in the Corvette Museum, but it was never released to the public. So you are correct. I wish I had a prize for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, just give me a 92. 90- 95 or uh, 82. Right, right. <laughs> well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy a cool company car based on your job. And so the way I defined it, so I said that you are trying to help students succeed. So I was trying to think about, well, all right, well, what's the best car for a student? It's not going to sound too cool initially, but it's actually a pretty cool car. Okay. okay? So what I went with, something classic, something uh, fairly safe. So this one has four-wheel disc brakes, power windows, factory factory steel sliding sunroof. It has a cool radio, but you'll have to add all the iPod adapters and everything like that. So what I picked for you is a 1974 Mercedes, but it's a big 450 SEL four-door because, you know, students want to have all their friends with them and safe. So they're becoming quite classic and quite cool. So that's the car I would pick for you. Sounds outstanding. Awesome. I'm glad a Corvette guy is okay with a four-door Mercedes. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, you, you- <laughs> You need to be grateful when anybody gives you a car, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey. And I know you already did a little shout out for your LinkedIn and your website. Is there any other way our listeners can learn more about you or what you're doing? Well, as I said, if they can get to my website, kerryjgreen.com, there's links to articles on there. Um, My email address is on there and they can connect with me through uh, LinkedIn. So that's that's the first place to go. But I'm, I'm very happy to answer questions and with, with anybody that has any questions about what I do or, or how they can develop the skills they need to succeed. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kerry, for taking us on your career journey today. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.